Hello, and welcome to the Dallas Christian College Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spees, the Director of Advancement here at DCC. We want to thank you for joining us as we continue in our series of podcasts that focus on current topics and events that are shaping our society, the world of education, and the local church. In this episode, we're looking at the topic of the theology of work, which I think is very a very interesting topic, especially coming on the heels of our last two podcasts that have dealt with leadership and mentoring. Sharing his expertise in this area is the chair of DCC's Bible Department, Dr. Mark Halen. And as always, we are honored to have the voice of the DCC Leadership Podcast, Mr. Mark Worley, facilitating this episode. So, Mr. Worley, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you kick off this episode on the theology of work with Dr. Halen. Thanks, Scott. You know, um, the mission statement of DCC says that we educate and mentor students to be people of influence, engaging in their calling to the work of Christ in the church and in the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Halen, I can remember several years ago, uh, we were talking, uh, we were actually in the banquet hall, and we were having this big meeting, and somebody said, workers for the harvest field, and uh, they were saying, well, that's a special calling. And I remember you started talking about this concept of being called and the theology of work even back then. And I, I know you've given a lot of thought to it, a lot of study. So let's talk about this, uh, this idea, this concept of someone being called. Well, for many centuries, uh, really, really going back into the early years of the Catholic Church, uh, this notion was out there that the people that have a calling from God are people like the priest, the monks, the nuns. Well, the Protestant Reformation came along and actually helped adjust that a bit, but still this, this, this idea of, of a higher calling that preachers and ministers have has persisted to the point that even in Protestant theology there's this idea that the only people who are really called are the preacher, the youth minister, the missionary, the worship minister, somebody who serves in a parachurch organization, but that just that just doesn't jive with the biblical text. Uh, for instance, in Romans chapter one verse one, Paul says he greets the church, saying, "Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God." So yeah, he's got a calling. He's an apostle. We would think of him as a preacher, like a vocational ministry type person. But then you get down to verse 6, and he says, And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all in Roman who, who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. So within a space of a paragraph or two, Paul has identified himself in his apostolic ministry as one having been called, and he's identified everyone who's reading this letter uh, in its original setting and everyone thereafter, pretty much, as someone else who is also called. He does the same thing in 1 Corinthians in the first two verses. 
Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Notice not only does he talk about them being called, he also identifies them as the church. And of course, the, our English word church is a translation of a Greek word, ekklesia, which means the called out ones. And so everyone, everyone has a calling. And it's not that one is superior to the other. It's that they are different from each other. And God calls certain individuals. He does call people to ministry, to what we call vocational ministry. But he calls other people to other things. And that's part of his plan, to bless the world. Uh, you know, if, if there's someone who's a skilled endocrinologist, I'm a diabetic, so the world needs endocrinologists. <laughs> if no one else needs them, I need them. You need them. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> if God wants to call a believer to be an endocrinologist, I'm all for that. And, and I want that young person, that, you know, that, that man or woman, I want them to pursue God's calling on their life to bless the world through medical profession. Um, there, there are some terms that are used uh, that theologically, in the, in the realm of theology, that have been coined to help us navigate how we talk about calling, I think are, there, think are helpful. Uh, one term is uh, one's general calling. That's, that's a term that, that uh, uh, in Reformed Protestant theology has arisen. In Lutheran the theology, uh, we, its equivalent is spiritual calling. Hmm. And this is, this is the idea of one's calling to salvation and holy life, where Paul in Ephesians talked about walk in a manner worthy of your calling. A second type of calling that we can kind of discern as we look at biblical data has been labeled one's particular calling or one's external calling. And that's the notion that God may call us beyond simply calling us to salvation in Christ and holy living, growth and holiness in Christ. God may call us to specific tasks in life, that he desires that we be his instruments and representatives in the world, representing him as he seeks to bless the world. The material world has value to God. He created it. And someday we're going to live in a new Jerusalem, in a new heavens and a new earth. That's still a physical creation. The physical world matters to God. And so he creates people who are going to be gifted and skilled to do certain tasks that bless humanity. Uh, I ate this afternoon, and I'm thankful for people who are skilled at growing food. 
my grandfather, Halen, was, was a dairy farmer. I'm glad there are dairy farmers in the world. I'm glad there are accountants in the world because God uses them to bless the world. And, and that's, that's what Luther called our external, external calling, that God calls us to maybe specific assignments even uh, in the kingdom of God. And some of them may be in church settings, some of them may be in very secular settings, but still there are aspects of the kingdom of God. I think sometimes we forget that a kingdom exists where there's a king. And where does God reign? I think the New Testament and the Old Testament univocally tell us that God reigns over all. And so God wants to, wants to reign in the auto plant, he wants to reign in the supermarket. He wants to every place where his people are, he's sending us to be his ambassadors and to claim that for him. That's good. Each of our workplaces. Yeah, so <clears throat> Mark, how how would that work out with you know, like Paul in First Corinthians twelve, he talks about the spirit gives gifts as the spirit chooses. I mean, would that be kind of in line with what you're talking about? Yes, and and I think we have actually underread those texts. Um, we tend to think about the gifting texts in Ro- gifting text in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and in 1 Peter. We tend to think about them solely in the context of the gathered worship worshiping assembly. But if you examine those the the listing of those gifts, first of all, they're not uniform, which tells us that there are other gifts out there. But the other, the other thing that strikes you is that many of these gifts have outworkings in what we could call a secular or work environment. Some of them might be exercised the best in those environments, like evangelism, okay, uh, but administration, service, all those are giftings that have an application outside of the gathering of believers. And I think God gifts us to, again, bless the world. Uh, we, we forget that, that we bless the world most certainly, most through the proclamation of the gospel. But we also bless the world through acts of service and helping people. Jesus healed people even though there's no guarantee those people are going to follow him. He fed 5,000 men plus women and children. I dare say not all of them ended up becoming disciples of Jesus. But he blessed them anyway. Right. And it was significant that he blessed them that way. And so it's not, and, I, and by the way, I want to hasten to add, it's not either or. It's both and. We're called to both and. Proclaim the gospel and to bless the world. And in our workplace, in our workplace, often the blessing of the world becomes a beachhead for sharing the gospel. Now I know I know in Matthew nine, you know, that, that was a conversation that we had a few years ago that I have not forgotten. In Matthew nine, uh Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And, and so we have this concept of 
the workers are few as those few clergy or that kind of thing. And I remember you were like strongly saying, no, that's not the case. Why don't you address that just for a moment? Yeah, well, first of all, in the, in the first century church, there weren't that many paid clergy. I mean, the church functioned without our modern-day equivalent to paid ministry professionals uh, for, for a long time. And if you think about the biblical literature itself, it's amazing to see how much spiritual stuff is written by people who aren't priests, who aren't rabbis. Um, you know, Paul, Paul has two very close friends that he hangs out a lot with. They're called Priscilla and Aquila, who are tent makers, leather workers. Uh, he leaves Ephesus and kind of leaves them in charge of, of you know, okay, here's the teaching. We're, I've gotta, i I got to go on from here. And, and they encounter this guy named Apollos, okay. Apollos probably is more of a guy that we would associate with being, okay, he's, he's like preacher material. But it's Priscilla and Aquila, these two leather workers, tent makers, who are, kind of, who are bringing him along and who are doing what they do. Uh, and then it is fascinating. We, I th- most people have a misconception of what people who are like responsible for writing the Bible and who are kind of like the major players in the Bible, what they did for a living. They're not all priests. You know, Joseph, okay, he was, you know, he was a, a vice president. He was a combination of secretary of the interior, secretary of agriculture, <laughs> secretary of infant, you know, you know, you, got, you need an infrastructure plan. Okay. He's the guy you go to Moses. Uh, he leads people. He's a shepherd, but he's not a priest. Uh, you just go down the line. Joshua is a military commander. Uh, Ezra, is a scribe. He's he's the ancient world equivalent to an archivist, a librarian, a public records uh, keeper, a teacher. They're not rabbis. Uh, Ezra might have been pre, but Nehemiah is you know he's a head of state, uh, and and on on it goes. And then and let's not forget Jesus. There's this guy named Jesus in the New Testament. He has a three and a half year long itinerant rabbi thing that he does what does he do before that he's a tecton greek word tecton which means construction worker most in english translations carpenter it's actually better translate construction worker that's what he did for many years in his life and i think he had a theology of work that probably guided him and he impacted people while he was doing doing his work so what, you use the term theology of work. So, you know, explain that. Okay, well, you, you have to think, yeah, let's take it apart. We've got theology and you got work. Okay, those are your yes. two major components. Okay. Study of God and work. Okay. Well, theology is more about basic issues. It's not just about God. It, you know, everything's about God. But if you just say about you know, study of God, then then I think you get so focused that it's not useful. Uh, theology is is a study of of crucial issues that stem out from is the basic question: Is there a God? Uh, and if so, how does He relate to us? How do we relate to Him? So we're talking about basic issues 
and patterns of thought, beliefs that we have about a particular topic, like soteriology is a theology of salvation, okay? And then work, okay, well, let's define work. Uh, A couple good definitions, uh, one by Andy Mills, another by a guy named R. Paul Stevens. Andy Mills says, work is the way we exert ourselves either physically or mentally in order to do, to make, or to accomplish something. Notice that there's nothing there that says you're paid for it. Stevens says, work is any purposeful expenditure of energy, whether manual or mental or both, whether paid or not. And so I think we can all resonate with that because some of the hardest work that many of us do is stuff that we're not paid for. Ask any mother, okay? (laughs) Ask any mother, and and if she's honest, she will tell you that. That's the hardest work that she, if she's been employed professionally somewhere, the hardest work she ever did was raising children. And we do work as volunteers. We're not paid for it, uh, but it's, it's work. You know, we work in the garden. It's the idea of expending energy, physical or mental, to accomplish things. And so theology of work is how do I think about the value of my work? How do I choose what I do with my time? If I have career options, how do I choose them? And when I'm in the workplace and associating with other people, how does my faith guide how I interact, how I do the stuff of my work. I don't know how we're running on time here. We may have to go into another uh, session here, Dr. Halen, but I, I, I think uh, maybe just briefly, it's, it's amazing to watch you at work. I mean, you are called to be a scholar, and you do that so well, but you also do a lot of other stuff. You know, uh, you help lead a church and you help do whatever is needed. Um, so how do you put that all together? How does that theology of work transcend the different places and the different things? I mean, you, you seem to be, uh, I mean, well, you're not, you don't seem to be. You are a, a brilliant man you're a great teacher and yet you do other work in quotations on the side so how does that play out how does that happen in your mind well big part of it is is my sense of calling i I think i'm called i'm called to be a teacher and i'm called to teach scriptural truth to god's people and God's people arrive in my vicinity in different forms. Some are college students. Some are men and women in adult Bible studies. For large swaths of my life, uh, some have been middle school and high school age students playing Bible Bowl. Others have been youth groups in churches when I was a youth minister and then I always joke with my students here, it's it's a scary proposition. Dr. Halen was also a children's minister (laughs) at one time in in my life. Uh, And I'm a teacher. That's what I do. Put me in a circumstance, that's 
there's going to be a teacher element that comes out of that. Uh, I'm also I'm also a human being, okay, uh, who, who in the in the image of God creates. That's what we do. That's part of our image of God is we create, we bring order to things. And so I might be working on a project using my hands, you know, uh, doing physical labor to bring order to something that is disheveled, out of order, or needs to be made more beautiful. Uh, so I don't know if that, if that helps you uh, understand that. Well, that, yeah. that, that's a part of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good stuff. And, um, you know, I'm not going to say what our next one might be, but I I think there's going to be a lot of listeners who say, okay, Dr. Halen knows his calling, but how do I find my calling? And and in fact, uh, you know, uh, this week as we're gearing up towards uh, commencement here at DCC in a few weeks, we've been talking with some of our seniors, and it's been interesting to to pose the question, how has Dallas Christian College help prepare you for your future work, your future career, your future ministry. And Bruce Dykus and I were talking about that, that several of our students have actively used the word calling in answering that, just that uh, it's helped to clarify the calling. And, you know, we all sitting around this table know very well there are a lot of 18, 19, 20-year-olds that don't have a clue when they show up here, what they want to do. And yet, after four or five years of, of education and mentoring and being in this environment, somehow that calling starts to become a little clearer. And so that might be an interesting discussion for next time. But uh, as, as Mark shared, Mark Worley did early on, that this calling is a, an important part of our mission statement here at DCC. If you'd like to learn more about the college and our degree programs and available scholarships, you can check us out at www.dallas.edu. Uh, we are committed here at Dallas Christian College to changing the world for Christ one student at a time with an education that is accessible, affordable, and attainable. And we thank you for joining us today for this episode of the DCC Leadership Podcast. You can check us out and check out our other episodes on a lot of different platforms. Be sure to share those as well, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Dr. Halen, thank you again. Mr. Worley, thank you. And uh, those of our listeners, thank you for joining us today. Take care, be safe, and we look forward to visiting with you and sharing with you again in the future. Have a great day.